Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Last week, we were talking about Jesus Uh, who was in the synagogue teaching, and a woman comes walking by, and she's bent in half, and she's probably walking like a dog, and she's been that way for 18 years. And Jesus calls her to himself, and he said, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And the ruler of the synagogue, do you remember? He didn't like it because Jesus healed on the Sabbath, and he said there are six days that men can work, but not on the Sabbath not realizing that healing people and blessing people is not work to Jesus. Did you know? Healing people and blessing people is not work for Jesus. It's a joy for Jesus. So we pick up in chapter 13 in verse 18, and Jesus is going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, the kingdom of God and what will take place in the kingdom. I've titled this sermon, Kingdom Peaks. Luke chapter 13, get your pen, get your pad, you're going to need it. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 18, saints, if you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Then he, Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? And what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in in his garden. And it became, underline this, a large tree. And the birds of the air, underline that, nested in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, in verse 21, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leaven. Saints, we better stop right there. Give me your attention. On many occasions, Jesus gave what is known as kingdom parables. And what we have here is the king describing the growth of the kingdom. In this section, Jesus faces the religious leaders and he begins to talk about the growth of the kingdom and he compares it to, write it down, two things. Number one, a mustard seed. And number two, leaven. Jesus compares the kingdom to a mustard seed. Are you listening? To a mustard seed and to leaven. First of all, let's talk about the mustard seed. Jesus likens the kingdom to someone who took a grain of mustard seed and threw it in a field, and it grew into a large tree. Now listen, we all know that mustard seed plants, or do you know, mustard seed plants do not grow into large trees. Mustard seed, even at a large mustard seed plant would be about six feet tall. That's not large. They don't grow into large trees. 
Now listen to me. People ask me often, Pastor Rodney, how do you study the Bible? I don't know, one of these years, maybe on a Sunday night, I'm going to probably do a six-week teaching. If y'all want to come, come. If you don't, don't. Amen. But people ask me all the time, how do you study the Bible? There is a method to studying the Bible. And, you know, I've talked to you about the law of first mention. And you can go to seminary and learn this and pay $40,000, or you can listen to me right now and learn this and give me the (laughs) $40,000. So I've talked to you about the law of first mention. And the law of first mention says that in terms of interpreting the Bible or hermeneutics is your word for the day, in studying the scriptures, the law of first mention means wherever you see a word that is first mentioned in the Bible, you define it in that context, and that word means the same thing all the way through the Bible. Okay? Here's a Benny for you third service people. In Genesis chapter 22, we have the first mention of the word love. We have the first mention of the word sacrifice. We have the first mention of the word lamb. In Genesis 22, you define those words in that context. So then when you get to the New Testament, you understand that worship and love and lamb have to do with sacrifice. That worship actually has to do with sacrifice. Worship really doesn't have to do with the songs that we sing or the hands that we clap or the arms that we lift up. That it's a part of worship, but the true definition in it, the core of worship has everything to do with surrender and sacrifice in the context of Genesis 22. Are you getting me? So the law of first mention, that's how you study the scripture. Here's another law when you're interpreting the Bible and you're studying the Bible is called, if you want to write this down, you should, it's called the law of expositional constancy. The law of expositional constancy. It means that when you are interpreting the parables, there is a constancy in the interpretation. For example, if the fig tree is in one parable represents the nation of Israel, then throughout the Bible, are you listening? Then throughout the Bible, the fig tree will always represent the nation of Israel. It's called the law of constancy, expositional constancy. Throughout the Bible, the fig tree will always represent Israel. So using, listen, the law of expositional constancy, the tree symbolizes human evil governments. You'll find that in Daniel chapter four, you'll find it woven throughout the scriptures. Human evil governments, birds in the Bible Or the fowl of the air in the Bible symbolizes evil. So consistently throughout the Bible, you read about birds, they symbolize evil. So this parable is describing the abnormal growth of the church and the corruption and the false teaching and the evil within it. Jesus said the kingdom of God is something that has grown into this huge thing and the fowls of the air, the workers of iniquity have come and made their nest in it. Now in your margin, you write this, Matthew chapter 13, 24 through 30. You know the story. It goes something like this. A farmer goes out and sows some wheat in his field and then he went to sleep. 
And while he's sleeping, someone comes and sows some tares among the wheat. Now the tares, listen, that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 13 are called bearded darnel. Bearded darnel. And darnel looks exactly like wheat. Smells like wheat. Same color as wheat. Same shape as wheat. But if you eat it, you will die. The only time you can tell the difference is when they both come to ahead. So during the night in the story in Matthew 13, that's your homework, read it tonight. During the night, someone sows some darnel and the servants discover it. And they said, master, do you want us to rip it out? And the master said, no, because you might rip out the wheat because you can't distinguish the wheat from the tare. The master said, leave it until the harvest and we will gather the tares and we'll bind them and we'll burn them. The wheat we will gather and put it into the barn. The wheat and the tares are to tarry together. Don't you understand that in the church there are wheat and tare or there are believers and non-believers. And I am not so ignorant to think even in a room this size that every single individual in this church is a wheat or a believer. There are some tears in this room right now. Would you mind standing so we can identify you? <laughs> we'll wait. There are tears among us and there are wheat among us. Now listen, there is no secret that Satan seeks to oppose God. Did you know that? Raise your hand if you knew that. All right. Satan seeks to oppose God. And one of the ways that he does that is by counterfeit. What do you mean, Rodney? Counterfeit. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 through 15 says that Satan comes as an angel of light. Wasn't it Jesus who said, I am the light of the world counterfeit. He, Satan has a counterfeit gospel. Did you know that? You find that in Galatians chapter one, verse six through nine. He has a counterfeit righteousness. Romans chapter 10, verses one through three. He has a counterfeit church. Revelation chapter two, verse nine. He has, get this, counterfeit Christians. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, I've got it for you on the screen. Jesus said this, beware of false prophets who come to you. Notice the false prophets come to you. You don't have to go looking for them. Oh, that's a sermon. You don't have to go look. They come to you in sheep's clothing. And but inwardly, they are what, saints? Ravenous wolves. In other words, listen, they say they are Christian. These false prophets, they look like Christians. They look like sheep. They act like sheep. They like sheep. They even smell like sheep. But they're wolves in sheep's clothing. And very soon, listen to this, talking about counterfeits, and very soon Satan will have his counterfeit Messiah. We call him the Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians chapters 1 and 2. And he has counterfeit wheat, and it's called tares. And whenever, listen to me close, whenever and wherever God is moving, Satan always has an evil imitation. 
So Satan plants the false in the midst of the real. And it's no secret. Listen, there are people in the church, as I said, who are not truly born again. I will never forget this. I asked a guy one time, I said, are you a Christian? And he said to me, well, yes, but not the born again type. I said, well, what other type is there? This hurts my head. Let me tell you something. If you call yourself a Christian, but you're not the born again type, newsflash, you are not a Christian. Because I'll wait while you clap your hands. Because there is no other kind of Christian. You are either born again or you are not. Jesus said you must be born again. He didn't say maybe. He didn't say it's your prerogative. He didn't say it's your choice. You could be. He said you must be born again. If you're not a born again Christian, then you're not a Christian. Because the only way to become a Christian is for the Spirit of God to dwell within you and bring about a new birth. Just because you come to church does not make you a Christian no more than just because you stand in the garage makes you a car. No more than if you sit in a donut shop makes you a policeman. I'm sorry, that was wrong. I repent, God, I repent, that was wrong. That was just not right. Just because you come to church does not make you a Christian. You know, people go to church, and some of y'all know what I'm talking about. They go to church, they tithe, they carry a well-worn Bible, but they are tares. And we, listen, are not called to tear out the tares. And the reason we aren't to tear out the tares is because we will pull out the wrong people. It is our job to love them, and it's God's job to judge them. Did you hear me? Let me say it again in case you were asleep. I'll wait. It is our job to love them and his job to judge them. Now, sometimes we get it twisted. We like to think it's my job to judge them. It's God's job to love them. Some people will tell me, I don't got to love them. Shoot, I ain't got to love them. I ain't got to love them. God, I ain't God. God loves everybody. I don't. Listen, it's our job to love them. It's God's job to judge them. And in the end, there will be a great separation. Point number two, an analogy concerning the leaven. Go ahead and look at it again in verse 20 and 21. Please look at it. Jesus said, to what shall I like in the kingdom of God? It's like what, saints? Leaven. It's like what, saints? Leaven. Now, some commentators, they make a big deal out of the fact that it was a woman who hid the leaven. I won't do that because I know what's best for me. I'll just mention it. We have a woman making some bread and she puts leaven in the bread. Now, leaven again, expositional constancy. Are you with me? Leaven always represents, anybody know? Sin. Very good. I've taught you well, my children. Leaven always represents sin. Leaven is used 98 times, if you're taking notes, it's used 98 times in the Bible, and it speaks of evil or it speaks of sin. This woman, she took and hid three measures of meal 
till it was all leavened. Now keep in mind, Jesus is looking in the face of the ruler of the synagogue and he's angry because context, because a woman has been set free on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus looks at this man and he says, the kingdom or the church has become this unnatural thing of rules and regulations. Do you understand The church has become this unnatural thing of a bunch of rules and regulations. And meanwhile, the the world is talking about, let's get real. Let's get real. And the church is saying, let's get fake. The church is about a bunch of rules and regulations that honestly, I got to tell you, displease the heart of God. We are so concerned. What? You know this is true. First thing, ask somebody to come to church. Say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? The first thing they say is what? What should I wear? You know what I tell them? Wear something. Cover that up. (laughs) Ain't nobody trying to see all that. You think it looks good, but we don't. But, But it's become a bunch of rules and regulations. I know I used to think that way. I remember, don't misunderstand me, people, y'all come here, y'all come to Calvary Chapel first time here, you know it, don't admit it right now, because I know you don't want to embarrass yourself. But you know, when you first came to Calvary Chapel, and, and, and you saw all these folks, look, I got on flip-flops right now. I don't flip-flops right now, you know why? Because I'm free. You know why? Because I'm free. I, I am free. I remember, you know, sometimes you come, to, you come to church like this and folks is dressed like, and you come from maybe a religious background where they dress up on Sunday and you come here and you go, man, them folks, they sure are dressed down. And man, I know what I'm talking about. I did that. Years ago, when I first walked into a Calvary Chapel, I want to say, if I remember correctly, let me check this fact with my wife. But I want to say that we left, uh, we were going to a black Pentecostal church. And we went uh, and we decided, okay, leave that church. We got time to go over to Calvary Chapel, wanted to go visit the Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel was all white folks, right? Now, look, look, get over. I'm not being racist. I'm just trying to tell you, okay, bring it down. Y'all like, you talking about white folks and black folks? All up in the pulpit. Oh, my goodness. Yes, there were white folks in that church. And me and my wife were the only black folks there. So we come over from the church, and we, we come from, now y'all, the church of God in Christ, y'all, we dressed up. Pastor Rodney was sharp every week. All right, ain't shame, ain't shame, ain't no shame in my game. <laughs> it's for service, y'all, forgive me. And I was dressed up, man, I went over to Calvary Chapel, and I saw all those white people dressed in shorts and T-shirts and flip-flops at Calvary Chapel. I walked in. I said, Elvira, I said, are you looking at this? I said, you see this? You know, when, you, you know, when you're talking out of your breath, you don't want to say it too loud. I said, you see this? Folk, they got on shorts and T-shirts and they carrying Bibles. They was nice. And them white folks was nice as the day is long. And me and Elvira, we came there, and we, we're all dressed up. Elvira got hat, pearls, gloves. Oh, we were sharp. Trust, trust. Don't get it twisted. We were sharp. Always. And I bet they was probably looking at us, looking at us going, can you believe them? <laughs> Nobody said that, though. But, but they probably looking at us like, y'all believe them? We walking up, and I'm like, 
Look at these people. Look at they dress like that. But here's rules and regulations that don't really mean a thing. Because I'm looking at them the way they're dressed, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And then they worship. They had a guy, a guy stand up there singing with one guitar. It wasn't nothing like this, y'all. This is a full band. There was nothing like this. There was a guy singing a guitar and a lady just singing, and they were like, kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, not only are they dressed crazy, but it's dead in here, honey. It's dead. It's a dead folks. They're dead. The church is dead. I told her, all right, let's sit in the back in case we got to run. I want to be close to the door. But I tell you what. When he, the pastor, began to preach the word verse by verse, I said, Ovira, this church is alive. And I, I honestly, it changed my life. Can you clap better than that? Can you clap better than that? Because it is the word that gives life. It is the word that gives life. And not all these external accoutrements that mean nothing in the heart of God. What you wear to church does not matter to God. How big your Bible is does not matter to God. Get this, how much money you give does not matter to God. Some folks think, well, if I don't tithe, I'm going to be cursed. No, you won't. No, you won't. God's not going to curse you because God's not, God is a God of blessings, not a God of curse. And if you don't want to give, don't. God said, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. This church doesn't belong to Pastor Rodney. And it don't belong to you. If God can't take care of it, it can't be taken care of. That's right. So we get into all these rules and all these legalistic trips and all of this stuff. And the church has become this unnatural thing of rules and regulations. And Jesus said the workers of iniquity have come and they've made their home in it. And Jesus said the kingdom of God, the church has been permeated with evil things. Evil things have lodged in its branches. One of the devil's devices in opposing God's kingdom, listen at this, is to introduce leaven or false teaching or false doctrine into the church. Don't you know that Satan loves false teaching and false doctrine? Satan loves a lot of truth and a little lie. Did you hear me? Satan loves a lot of truth and a little lie. That's like a little poison. A little poison, <laughs> a little poison is just as bad as a lot of poison. Poison is poison. Satan likes a little, a lot of truth and a little lie. Satan loves to get people confused. Don't you know God is not the author of confusion? You got confusion in your relationships, confusion in your home. Confusion on the job, confusion in this situation. That, that's not God. Satan loves to get people confused. The History Channel. I love the History Channel. I love to watch it. And, the, and every, have y'all noticed this? Every so many months on the History Channel, they are looking for the real Jesus. Searching for Jesus. I'm like, look, you can end your search. Any Christian that has been a Christian for more than a month can tell you exactly where Jesus is. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, making intersection for you, and he is waiting for the Father to say, go, and he is coming back someday. You can end your search, but they're always looking for Jesus. Looking for the real Jesus. No, they think they found him over here. You have not found him because he's not in the tomb. 
But all that's to confuse people. Satan loves to get people to question the word of God, to question the Trinity. The Bible teaches that there is one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Satan denies the virgin birth. He denies the work on the cross. He denies the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And listen, if you deny any of these things, that is leaven. And that's what's happening in the church today. Many great denominations are denying the word of God. Don't ever, ever, ever forget the Bible is the final authority. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, is the book for me, and it's the book for you. It's God's final word to man. It's the final authority. The final authority is not the church. The final authority is not the pope. Yeah, I said it. It's not the pope. It's not church dogma, tradition, intellect, or experience. It's the word of God for everything we believe and everything we do. And when you reject, question, change the word of God, you are in trouble, and that is leaven. Can I get a witness from anybody? That's leaven. Now notice, we got to move on. We got to move on. We got to move on. Look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. Look at Luke 13, 22. If you're looking at it, say amen. And when he went through the cities... And the villages teaching and journeying through Jerusalem. Then one said to him in verse 23, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he will answer and say to you, I don't know you. Where are you from? And then you will begin to say, well, we ate and we drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't know you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.